Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm very excited to introduce Christine Simpson of uh, Simpson of Sportsnet. Thanks so much, Christine, for for taking the time and doing this. I know it's a busy day with us recording on draft day, so thanks so much. No, thank you very much for asking me to do this. I, I first want to ask a little bit about your career. I know, obviously, I, th I think you said you grew up around the rink as a kid, but for you, when did you first think you might want to pursue a career within the game of hockey as, as kind of for your whole life and, and go down that path? Well, um, unlike so many people in the business, this was not a direct line to a little girl growing up thinking, yeah, I want to, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to work in hockey as a reporter of some kind, just because for me, even though I did grow up in a hockey family with, with two hockey playing brothers and yeah, spent plenty of time at the rinks, but not really seeing women in those roles, it didn't, it didn't make me think that that would, you know, could potentially be a career for me. So I had I did so many different jobs, but a lot of them came into the marketing and PR world. But I would say probably when I started my job as the marketing manager for the Hockey Hall of Fame mm -hmm. is when things started to percolate in my mind that there might be something about this whole broadcasting side of the business. And it was only because part of my job as marketing manager at the hall anytime we'd have crews that came to do stories on the hall of fame reporters journalists I would be the one that they would interview and so I would be telling them all about the hall and the history of hockey and what's it like traveling with the Stanley Cup and I'd often have producers say wow you know you really know your hockey and you seem mm -hmm. really comfortable in front of a camera is this something that you would be interested in pursuing and of course I I laughed it off for years <laughs> thinking no I don't have any proper training for this um and at the same time I was at the Hall of Fame I was actually hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs as their first in arena host again not a journalism job <laughs> but also just becoming comfortable with standing with a microphone in front of 18,000 people you know and and doing the gig of in arena host that was back in gosh 1995 at Maple Leaf Gardens so I guess through all of that it was kind of the the world was trying to tell me there's another path that I should be on but to be honest it wasn't until Sportsnet was launching as a brand new network in 1998 and therefore were willing to give um, people with unconventional backgrounds a shot that I actually got into the business because I'm not sure that I would have gotten a job if it weren't for them um, taking a chance on a green reporter from a broadcast experience background. But, you know, what I did bring to the table was confidence in being on camera, a knowledge of the game of hockey. So knowing what I would want to ask a hockey yeah. player, coach or general manager. And honestly, I think that's a, a big part of what the job is, is having that confidence and just knowing the things that if I was sitting at home watching TV, seeing that person on my screen, that's what I would want to ask them. And that's kind of what I always think of whenever I'm doing an interview. And and off that, what you mentioned, kind of some of the keys and being confident and, and, and knowing what the, what the right questions to ask, but for you, what else is, or what is kind of the key for you in terms of interviewing, you've interviewed so many high profile people kind of maybe give us a little bit of an insight of what, how you, prepare and maybe what you think are some of the keys to making a, a good interview work. Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, it's doing your homework before you walk in the room to do that interview. I mean, if, 
if you don't really know the person and know their background, to me, um, they will sense that and you're not going to get a good interview. So you do as much research as you can. Obviously, doing research is a lot easier now than it was when I started yeah. in 98. We did not have the Twitter machine and all of these websites that you could go to. I mean, back then it was trying to go online to if I was doing an interview with the San Jose shark, you go to the San Jose Mercury News website and try and find articles about that player. Um, so certainly it's easier now to find information, but you want more than that, you know, in addition to obviously looking up their, their Instagram account or Twitter account, um, looking at uh, listening to podcasts that maybe that, that player might've done in the past, but also reaching out to people who would really know that person. You know, if you get an opportunity to talk to their agent or maybe the beat reporter who deals with that player on a daily basis, just anyone that you feel can help you know, give you some insight into that person. Because to me, you know, I always try in an interview to, um, to let the viewer learn something about them as a person. Yeah. I'm not the one that necessarily wants to break down their power play and their penalty kill and <laughs> ask about that. And there are there are a lot of, you know, great analysts that do that job well. But for me, I always want to sort of come away from an interview with people going, wow, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that about that person. Or, boy, he seemed like a, actually a really genuinely nice person. And I wouldn't have thought he's like that when I just watch him on TV. How do you think you make it easy for people, for players to to open up in terms of I, hockey players are not necessarily known for being the biggest personalities. So how, how do you kind of open up? And I heard you also had an interview with Alex McGilney that was tough, but kind of worked out in the end. So maybe give us how you, you uh, manage a NHL players specifically. It's it's a very good question. And if I had a how to, uh, you know, I, I would share it. I, I don't know that I know a step by step how you do it. But I would say all you all you ever want to do is try and make the situation so comfortable and the conversation so natural that the player forgets that there are cameras and lights all over because I don't care how long a, uh, you know, a guy's been in the league, that can be an intimidating situation to walk into where you, you know, they're maybe worried. Oh my God, if I say the wrong thing and, and nowadays, if that goes viral, yeah. so I'm not going to say anything and I'm just going to give cliche answers. But that's the other part of it, though, too, is trying to come up with questions that don't allow for cliche answers. And if you do get a cliche answer, you ask it a different way mm. or you do a follow up like, well, what do you mean by that? Because then it does force them to actually think about what you've just asked and and hopefully um, give a response that perhaps is more natural and 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 more. Uh, gives you more insight on what they're thinking. And I get it. Some guys are very comfortable in interview situations and some just aren't. And so for those that aren't, I, and I do feel for them, I don't think anyone is really ever trying to be rude or yeah. difficult. I just genuinely think that there are some players that they don't have a comfort level with that. So again, you just try to, you chat with them before the cameras are rolling. You You just try and put them at ease. And I guess, Everyone with their own personality has a different way of doing that. Um, that's why I think the few minutes before an interview is always nice because you can maybe ask about the family or if you know um, 
the player's wife just had a baby. Well, you ask about that just to kind yeah. of put them at ease. They're, they're all, I guess, I don't want to call them the tricks of the trade because I'm not yeah. tricking anybody, but yeah. it would be the same in any scenario, whether cameras are rolling or not. You just try and make the person comfortable. And from that, I think you gain more insight into the true person that way. And with that, I mean, I just was, we were talking off air, but you interviewed Mike Babcock and he's coming back. Uh, he It hasn't been formally announced, but it sounds as though he'll be the next coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's been in the media for different uh, ways in which he interacted with players. But how do you, you had him on the big picture, about, I think two, three years ago. But for you, how do you allow someone like Mike Babcock to, to come in and, and you ask those hard questions, but also kind of basically let them come on and, and give them the comfort to feel as though they can be interviewed without them just saying no to you? Like, how do you maybe uh, thread the needle that way for you? Yeah, I think a lot of that stems from, and Mike is a good example. I mean, Mike, obviously, all the years he was here in Toronto, I, I saw him every day, you know, so I'd interviewed him so many times from my time here, uh, his time with the Maple Leafs, that I would like to think, even though it took me a while to get through to him and to get him to agree to do that interview, my hope is always, you know, that's what comes with experience. If someone feels, oh, I dealt with Chris for years, and you know what? She never burned me then. I feel like she's a fair reporter. So I would like to think, I, I don't want to speak for Mike as to why he agreed to do it, but I feel you know, it's your reputation that precedes you. And so mm -hmm. when you've been in the business as long as I have, I would like to think there is that comfort level. He had to know at some point he was going to face the music as it were with yes. so many allegations out there. So step one is getting him to agree to do the interview. So I was just grateful that he did. But step two, for him to agree to do the interview, he's not dumb. He, he had to know the questions that were coming. Yeah. And, and with that, all you ever try and do is word a question um, that allows that person to explain themselves. Yeah. I mean, I'm not into gotcha journalism. I'm not yeah. into saying you are this or you are that. And I'm, I'm not in the room when these incidents yeah. happen. So all I can do is, again, do my research and say, okay, we were, you know, we were told it was reported that this happened between you and Nazem Kadri, or this happened between, you know, you and Johan Franzen in Detroit. All I'm doing, and so when I can, you know, re read an article from Johan Franzen saying what yeah. he thought of Mike Babcock as a coach, I am giving him the opportunity to react to that. I'm not saying he's that person. Yeah. I'm asking him like, okay, how do you, you know, how do you respond to that is all you're doing. And so, I mean, I would like to think he knew what was coming. He had the opportunity to explain himself and he's an articulate guy. I think he did like, so to me at the end of it all too, it's, it's no judgment on my part. My, my only point is, Hey folks, here's Mike Babcock. Yeah for you all to decide how you feel about him. And it was interesting because I, I remember seeing him in person because of course that interview was done over Zoom. It was yeah. the, the middle of COVID. So we weren't in the same room and that's also harder, you know, during the COVID years, 
it is so much, as you know, from doing this yeah. podcast, it is more difficult to elicit emotion and, mm -hmm. and perhaps even feel like you're, you're getting the true honest story from someone when it's through a computer screen, as opposed to being in the same room. But I do remember then running into Mike at the hockey hall of fame induction huh? ceremony a few months after that and thinking, uh Oh, is he going to be, you know, cause I saw him coming my way. And again, I'm, I'm ready for whatever he thinks of me or wants to say to me, but he came right up and said, Chris, so good to see you. And we had a really nice conversation. Okay. So again, that's all I can say. I, I, to this day, it's not for me. He's never been my coach. I don't have that relationship with him. So I can't say, you know, anything about what he has been, what he will now be. I mean, what I heard out of that interview, though, was times were different. I have learned and I'm sure if if and when he is announced as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, it will be a, a a different Mike Babcock than perhaps we have you know heard through the stories from his past. Yeah, and I th I think what you said is just such an as someone in this industry and like interviewing just how you manage those relationships and and also ask the 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 questions that are kind of needed to to be asked. And I want to ask you about your show or, or kind of program at Sportsnet in the big picture. You've had Brian Burke, Mark Messier, Charles Barkley. Aaron Andrews, um, for you, what what do you want people to get out of the big picture, and 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 what do you like so much about the show? Yeah, well, again, it is is something that just kind of came through necessity with COVID. I, you mm. know, if I'm I'm a reporter, I'm I'm someone who does interviews in person. So when we realized we could not be in the same room with athletes for as long as well, we didn't know at the time how long it was going to be. But um, credit to two of my producers. Um, Michael Attic and Jeremy McElhaney, who came up with the idea of all we can do is Zoom interviews, but let's try and make them look a little bit like let's add some production value, which we yeah. were able to do in the first two seasons, I guess it was when we were still down at the CBC Broadcast Center in that theater. And then when we moved back to Rogers and had this whole new studio. So first of all, you want it to look good. Um, but the idea was same thing to try and get the biggest personalities in the game. Um, and that can be for various and assorted reasons. Erin Andrews is a great example. I mean, I knew Erin from way back when she got her start mm -hmm. as a reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And of oh, course, now yeah. knowing what she is in the NFL and what she's done with, you know, baseball and everything, I mean, she's huge. But knowing she got her start in hockey, because um, I've known her over the years, I thought, okay, she's an interesting person that people yeah. would, who might go, why is she interviewing Aaron Andrews on a <laughs> hockey show? Yeah. And then she talked about getting her start and what she learned from John Tortorella as wow. the head coach of the Lightning at the time. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, now being married to Jarrett Stoll, former yeah. NHLer and Stanley Cup champion. So that, again, it's always trying to find something about that person, even if it's a huge name like Charles Barkley. And that was an example of one that I wanted to do because I knew because I've known Charles for over 20 years, that Charles and John Cooper were really good friends. Yes. So it wasn't just, oh, let's get this, you know, big name basketball star, now analyst on, you know, one of the best shows in in all of the sports in the yeah. NBA on TNT. But I wanted to get down to the relationship between John and Charles, which I think really came through when you could yeah. get them together even though it was all via Zoom and I was in Toronto and John was in Florida and Charles, I think, was in Atlanta. 
Um, but you just want, want to engage people. You want them to be at ease. You want them to tell some stories and you want people to come away with thinking, oh, I didn't know something about that person and I just learned something about them that I found interesting. Yeah, no, of course. And, and Charles Barkley is, is definitely amazing in any media format. So uh, that's obviously, a, it was a fun chat and I, I really enjoyed it. I want to ask, you mentioned Erin Andrews and her rise as well in, in the media. And I just want to ask you, what has your experience been like as a woman in a male-dominated media industry and specifically in hockey and maybe what advice would you give to young women coming up in 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 the industry Mm -hmm. well first of all i am so happy to see that there are more and more women in the industry and not just as reporters but you know as analysts as producers directors behind the scenes production um you know there are opportunities that are are readily available for women in ways that they weren't not that women weren't qualified again no. it's it's, yeah, it's the chicken or the egg if you don't see it and even think that it's something that you can do so when I started out I guess what maybe helped me um you know it can be an intimidating environment for anybody but perhaps particularly for women if you feel like you're outnumbered or or any minorities when they don't see themselves in the room yeah. it can be intimidating I was fortunate because as I said, having worked within the hockey world for the previous five years at the hall, three years with the Leafs, and frankly, through my life with two hockey playing brothers, I was more comfortable at a rank than yeah. probably, you know, an, a boardroom. So it gave me the comfort level that perhaps others, you know, starting out don't have. But I would just say, do do the work. What did I say about how you prepare for an yeah. interview? You're not nervous if you know you've done the work and you mm-hmm. feel like I've got this and now I'm just excited to see where the interview goes. Um, same thing with with being a reporter to cover a practice in the morning or to do a, a game broadcast as a ringside reporter. Do your homework, know your stuff, especially I think as women, because they will be judged more harshly. Yeah. Um, they'll be looked upon as, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But take that challenge and work harder to ensure no one will have the chance to say she doesn't know what she's talking about. Look, she just asked a really stupid question. Mm-hmm. So 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 do the work. I mean, for anyone starting out now, like I said, I, I'm just so happy to see it. Be confident in yourself. Um, ask questions and don't and don't be afraid. I mean, I do have a lot of young women reach out to me saying, hey, okay. you know, can I have a conversation with you? Can I buy you a coffee? I just want to get some insight because I, I want to do what you do. And I just wonder kind of how you went about it. And I'm always happy to do that. Not that anyone is going to be able to replicate the yeah. path that I took to, to get there. But that's the point. There is no one way. There is no right way of doing it. Um, but if you genuinely, I mean, usually the first thing I say is, you have to eat, live, and breathe hockey. You will be yeah. working every weekend. You will be on the road a lot. You will have late nights when you're, you know, doing post-game stuff. If that isn't of interest to you, then turn around and walk out the door. Yeah. But if that's the kind of thing that makes you go, oh, wow, I would love that environment. That's for me. Then, then great. Jump in and see what opportunities there are. I also always say, because... You know, the the role that I play on air is the glamorous side of the business. 
trust me, it's not. But what I feel like a lot of other women maybe dip their toe into the business and realize, oh, I don't want to be a reporter on air or anchor or analyst or, or anything. But, you know, I'm really interested about the producer's job now that I Mm -hmm. see what that job actually entails or a director's job or a switcher's job, you know, in a, in a TV truck doing a broadcast. There are so many different opportunities within the sports world um, that I always encourage, you know, anybody, uh, women, men, anybody to, to really open your mind to what the opportunities are and ensure that you're not going after something just because it seems like it's the cool thing to Mm do. You know, there might be another part of the business that is more suited to you. So just sort of be open to the opportunities there that are there and be a sponge. Just take take it all in. Do everything you can to learn. And and with the NHL draft being today and, and tomorrow as well, I just want to ask you with all your experience, what's maybe your most memorable draft story? And then maybe how how exciting is it for you to, to have covered the draft and, and just be in the NHL world? Well, I will be very biased in saying my favorite draft was 1985 in Toronto when my brother Craig was drafted (laughs) number two overall to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I will never forget the feeling of sitting with my family in the Metro Toronto Convention Center and hearing his name. Wendell Clark went first overall to Toronto that year. Craig went number two. And I guess, you know, when, when I think of what that was like for Craig, for our family, um, that's the exciting part of, of, of watching the draft, like the hugs, the tears, yeah. you know, from mom and dad, sisters, brothers in the stands. I know exactly what that feels like. And I know the opportunity that lies ahead for that 18 year old kid who is just starting out. So to have experienced that personally, you know, and as I said, we all, we all look to ourselves and our own experiences to help understand a little bit more what these players are going through um, to put their mind at ease if you are wanting to interview them. And so for me, it all started in 1985. That will always be the highlight of any draft day for me. How often do you overlap at Sportsnet with your brother, Craig? I'm just curious. I I had to ask. Yeah. So we, for a while there, when I was doing all of the Leaf games on Saturdays for hockey night as ringside reporter, it was a lot. Um, (laughs) Now that I'm doing more of the features, but still, you know, he's in Toronto doing games a lot, or I'll be on the road uh, doing interviews and he's in town to do the games. I mean, I I will say it's kind of nice that on the company dime, we can have little family reunions uh, (laughs) here and there. And, and it is, it is a lot of fun. He's a guy that too, I use if, if I know I'm going to be interviewing somebody that I know he knows or he knows uh, the coach, like maybe the coach of the team is a former teammate of his. So I can always gain insight from him as well. So yeah, sometimes we're talking shop, but a lot of the times we're just talking family and, and life. And uh, it's always good to check in with him. Well, before I let you go, and <clears throat> thanks so much for doing this, Christine, I just want to ask you a question I think is always fun to ask. And and for you, if you're the NHL commissioner, if you're Gary Bettman, like you met him, I think you met him at the Hockey Hall of Fame on his I on did. his first on his yeah. first couple days. But what ru- what rule would you change if you uh, could uh, supplant Gary Bettman's uh, job for the day? My goodness. Okay, you know what? The first one that comes to mind, just because I think it frustrates the heck out of so many guys, is the puck over glass. Okay. Right? Like the, I mean, and that seems like a stupid little one. I'm sure if I gave it more thought, there would be something far more important that I would want to change. But 
I just find that, oh, it, it's just <laughs> wrenching. And, and frankly, the, the, the review of offsides has become yeah. such a, you know, you see it and I understand the reason behind it. I do understand you want to get the call right. But when we're talking millimeters <laughs> on the ice and oh, the time that it sometimes takes to review, uh, there's getting it right. But then there's like having an entertaining product for the, you know, for the fans to the watch fans. and the players to enjoy. So if, if I had more time, I'm sure I'd come up with something uh, even better than that. But those are two that spring to mind. No, no, you're the first one to to do puck over glass. A lot the the offside is definitely the one that I think probably I think we're right now at 75, 80 percent. So I yeah, think I think popular one, to, I'm sure. <laughs> and I think fans would be uh, in that realm as well. Um, thanks so much, Christine. I just want to give you the floor. Is there anything you're working on at Sportsnet for the big picture? Anything that you want to kind of plug or, or talk about? Well, the, the nice part of my job is kind of like a teacher. I, I get much of the summers off. So okay. I'm I'm at this point with the season really wrapping up, looking forward to just some downtime, but absolutely already looking forward to, to the fall, to um, the big picture and other interviews that I'll be doing throughout the season. And uh, so, yeah, just make sure everyone keeps tuning into the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada and hopefully look forward to entertaining everybody again next season. Well, my hope is definitely that uh, the Sens play the Leafs in the playoffs and ICU rinkside in, in uh, round one uh, next year here in Ottawa. So thanks so much, Christine, for for taking the time and, and coming on. I had a pleasure and uh, have a great summer and look forward to seeing you in, in the fall. Thanks again, Alex. The pleasure was all mine.